I'm Lindsay. And this is Kathy. From Kindergarten Kiosk, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Hey, welcome back. Steve here, and today I'm talking with Heather Buskirk, who's an instructional methods advisor at K-12 and a National Board Certified Teacher. And today we're talking about project-based learning. That's right. Glad you're here. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Heather Buskirk, MA, is an instructional methods advisor at K-12 and a national board certified teacher with years of experience designing project-based learning. Heather was an integral part of designing and teaching at HFM P-TECH, a project-based learning and career-focused early college high school in New York. She earned a BA in astronomy and physics and her MA in teaching with physics certification from the University of Virginia. Today we're going to talk about the positive impact of project-based learning. Heather, thanks for joining me today and say hi to everyone. Hi everyone. Well, glad you're here. And uh, before we talk about project-based learning, let's talk about you. You have a BA in astronomy and physics. What drew you to get a degree in these areas? Um, I was definitely the one who identified as a science kid early on and someone who um, was fairly successful in school and really liked challenge. And, you know, I got in my head that uh, astronomy and being an astrophysicist was like the hardest thing I could do. And so that's why I was going to do it. And I remember talking to um, teachers in high school about becoming a teacher and thinking, why would I do that? That looks too easy, Um, which is probably a credit to having really great teachers that made it look easy. And I just knew that I, at the time, I thought that was the farthest from my path. Um, that I was going to go and be an astronomer or, you know, work for NASA. Um, you know, I was really inspired by people like Carl Sagan and later Neil deGrasse Tyson and just wanted to, like, follow, um, you know, that inspiring work of really peering into the cosmos to find, figure out what makes the universe work. Um, but I found as I got further and further with the research that most of astronomy and physics and astrophysics is math which means that at the heart, everything can be distilled down to equations, which actually tells me that it's not the most complex thing I could study. Um, And I found out as I was kind of in the cusp of finishing my bachelor's and moving into some sort of graduate program that the intellectual challenge of teaching was far more complex and interesting to me than learning more about space. And so... Um, I kind of made a turn near the end of my bachelor's and started pursuing education, um, which just blew my mind with the number of interesting and complex problems that were out there for me to dig into and find out more about. Very cool. You know, it's funny. I I took astronomy. I took a a class. I was focused on becoming a history teacher or a middle school science teacher or both. (laughs) And, uh, um, took a lot of science classes and uh, stuff like this, and I'll never forget taking astronomy. I knew exactly what I was getting into, but I'll never forget on the first day of class, 
uh, uh, some of the other students that were in the class did not realize how much math was involved in that class. <laughs> and that was a, it was a funny comment. Hey, I think we're going to have to do math here. This is, I thought we were just going to look at the stars. <laughs> Oh no! Lots of math and astronomy. Most definitely. The uh, I love that. <laughs> the uh, so one of the things that I want to do is and and by the way, and I was curious if there was anything else that drove that. Like I see, I I grew up in Florida during the early seventies, and uh, uh, there was the space shots, and then eventually the shuttle going up and all of that, and uh, and then it also helped a little bit of science sci-fi that I liked. Did you have any of that in your background that you might have helped encourage you a little bit? I mean, I, I grew up in uh, the suburbs of St. Louis, and um, but I definitely had parents who really encouraged me towards science. Um, you know, my my dad was kind of a big fan of science. Neither of my parents had careers even remotely related to science. But I don't know if they saw something in me early um, or just, you know, kind of encouraged that, that passion and that love. Um, but that is definitely a big part of my journey. Awesome. I. You know, one of the things that we talked about in your intro was that uh, you were part of the design team and then a teacher at a unique school in New York called HFM P-Tech. Tell us a little bit about what makes this school different. Well, just before um, starting that school, I was working in a small town in upstate New York um, called Johnstown, New York, and I was working in the um, public high school there it's, as the lone physics teacher. It's a very small school, small district. Um and I was given this opportunity. Our region had gotten a grant to start this new school called a P-Tech school, which stands for Pathways in Technology Early College High School. And I had already been leading some work on project-based learning in the region. And I was really, really lucky that I had fantastic leaders in my district who saw this as a great opportunity for me to grow. And so they um, paired me up with uh, Mike Dadaris and Dr. Pat Michelle, who were um, really leading the work for building HFMP Tech. And so um, Mike was the principal there. And so he and I sat down and were able to kind of plan out what would be the ideal opportunity for a high school if we were able to start from scratch. There's so much inertia in public school and so much that we keep doing just because that's what's been done before. And this was a blank page. And we knew that we were serving um, a population of students in a very um, uh, rural, poor economic area um, where there wasn't a lot of great opportunity. Um, and so we wanted to really create something different and something special. And so we set out um, looking at, you know, what, what could we do? And we made every decision based on whether or not we thought it was best for kids and kids learning. And that was the, the standard for every choice we made. Um, we weren't beholden to doing things because we did them before, only because we knew it was the best thing moving forward. Um, we, uh, inter we would take different subject areas and interweave them together through projects. Um, we brought in career education at the ninth grade level and really wove that throughout. Students who would complete at that school would not only complete their high school diploma, but also earn a two-year associate's degree at a local community college at no cost to their families, which was an incredible opportunity for families in that region. Uh, many of our students were first-time college-going students uh, in their anywhere in their family. And so 
um, putting them on this pathway where from day one, um, you know, they were acknowledged as leaders and as future successful professionals um, really uh, set up a great opportunity. Do you have just a really memorable experience that you had there that you liked, something that just really, you know, just you like to keep that in the back of your mind about what school's all about or education's all about? Mm -hmm. So for the first several for the first several years at HFMP Tech, um, I was working as an instructional coach. Um, we built from the ninth grade up, and my background as a physics teacher, we didn't have physics classes until we had juniors, which was in the third year. And so, um, after working with the teachers and the students for several years, the first time I ever taught a physics class, um, I was completely blown away. Um, I had been teaching for over a decade and had had many students from the region, um, but had never had students who asked questions and persevered the way our students at P-TECH did. And, you know, on paper, um, they were no stronger um, traditionally than any students I ever had, but the way that they leaned into work and learning was just mind-blowing and i think that's a real credit to the culture that we set up in that school and that project-based learning had been part of their experience from the start that they had developed some agency and the professional skills around working together um, communicating uh, critical thinking from ninth grade that by the time i got them as 11th graders they were so ready to fly and they weren't afraid of physics the way so many students come into a physics class already um, sure that they're going to fail before they even start. They were um, ready and eager to bite off whatever challenge I could put in front of them. That's cool. That's, yeah, that's, and that's neat. Uh, uh, nothing like that type of experience. I mean, to, to have kids ready, you know, just ready to go with whatever you're going to do and uh, have that uh, mindset, which is awesome. So very cool. So as a class, you know, when you worked with kids, what do, you, what do you like best about working with kids, period? What do you think is the best part about being a teacher? Oh, without a doubt, the best part about being a teacher is being there for the moments when students uh, learn. I mean, learning is so joyful. It's so fun. Um, it's not without frustration and, and pain and, and sometimes some tears, but it's those little breakthrough moments. Uh, there's nothing like that. And when you... Um, get to be a part of a journey for a student where they have those, even the, the tiniest moment that, that something clicks um, and you see a little bit of light and a little bit more confidence. I mean, that, that's what it's all about, um, watching students make new connections. One of the things that I'll never forget about teaching is that it, when you're working with kids, the light bulb goes off, the, you know, go, comes on, and they're just like, they're all of a sudden they get it, and something happens where they're really just excited about whatever it is that you're doing, and they and they show that they get it and understand. Uh, and I'd like to add, um, it's also the way students surprise you. And um, no matter where you think they're going to go in a lesson or in a project or even a, a school event the capacity for students to surprise you is just um, unending. And I loved every surprise, even the ones that challenged me in the moment um, that, you know, allowed me to see how my students had grown, but also pushed me to grow as an educator. That's so cool. I, I and I think of those moments a lot where, you know, and, and you're right, kids, kids often would surprise you at a way in which you're like, Oh, this is neat. And that's why, 
you know, one of the things that it's always something that stuck in my mind is the, the willingness as a teacher to be able to be part of the, the actual learning so that when you're in there, it's not so much me telling you, it's us learning together. And when you can get at that level with kids, just pretty cool. So good stuff. They, you know, when we were working on scheduling this talk, this was shared with me about teaching. Immediate access to information at the touch of a button has diluted the importance of just recalling facts these days. When educators take a multifaceted approach to teaching, students can experience how the learning materials apply to jobs, relationships, and society. Let's talk a little bit about the diluted importance of just recalling facts and what a multifaceted approach to teaching is. I think there's so much in our traditional teaching that in our traditional curriculum that is just a Googleable question. And now that that all students, I mean, all, almost all people um, have some access on some level to be able to pull up information, that that's not what's important. Like the recall isn't important. I mean, there's some things you need to know, but overall, what's really going to help um, our, our students not just survive, but thrive in the future is to be able to do something with information, to be able to be a skeptical consumer of it and know what's what's fact and what's fiction, to be able to see how um, seemingly disconnected pieces connect across areas will be really powerful. To be able to create new knowledge from old ideas and new ways to use it, those are the things that are much more powerful um, aspects of learning than simple recall of facts. You know, the one of the things that, uh, as a former history teacher, one of the first things that a student asks you is, do I have to know this? Yeah. <laughs> and I think it comes in many different shades in every, in just about any class. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and that's, and I, and just kind of talk, talking about that idea of uh, um, just, just facts. It, you know, it, it's just, it's, to me, it's just meaningless if you just make them memorize facts or if that's all it's all if that's all that learning comes down to is facts then there's there's a problem here now i'm not talking about not talking about facts that's not my point my point is there's got to be so much more to it than that i think that's in interesting uh, uh being able mm -hmm. to talk about that what when we talk about uh you know the the world that's out there and uh you know one of the things that we're getting ready to get into here is project-based learning um so can you talk a little bit about what project-based learning is and what it looks like? Um, yeah, I usually ask people to think about the time that they worked through a project themselves, um, preferably something that you do for the first time, you know, whether that project is um, putting a new deck on the back of your house or um, planning a, an event, whether it's, a, you know, having some people over for dinner or planning a, a huge celebration or a wedding or a shower, um, a birthday party, planning a trip, um, seeking a new job. Anytime you've taken on a project like that, there's, there's something that launches you into that inquiry, asking questions and wanting to know more. And you almost always reach a point where um, to be able to complete your project, you need to learn something new and you need to access information or new skills to be able to be successful. And when you complete that project, you probably had a picture in your mind of what the success would look like, um, whether the trip would be fun or the deck would meet code and stand up and look nice or um, whether or not, you know, the, the party was a success. 
um, you knew what that success criteria is. What project-based learning is doing is taking the power of those experiencing experiences and recreating them for students in a way that aligns with the curriculum standards of the content area in which they're doing their learning. Um, either the things we are, the things we teach in school are important in the real world and they live somewhere in the real world. And so finding where our learning lives and plays in the real world and recreating experiences for students where instead of waiting for me to tell them why they need to learn something, they're the ones that are claiming, well, I need to know how to do this so I can accomplish X, is a really powerful place to put our students. There's a misnomer about project-based learning that it means that the teacher is really sending the student kind of into the wilderness to figure it out for themselves and the teacher is hands-off in the learning. And that couldn't be further from reality. Um, it's a much more complex system where the teacher is creating and finding opportunities, maybe crafting scenarios for students, um, and then really managing the learning of the students throughout that process to make sure that they have the support that they need throughout each step. And the teacher may work really hard to make it feel very seamless and as if the student is calling the shots. But a lot of times, um, the teacher has laid the breadcrumbs to help that the student is picking up, that is taking them down the path to uncover the learning that they need uh, aligned with the content area. So one of the things I want to make sure that I talk about here is that, you know, adults often talk about the importance of engaging students in the classroom, but they really lack the understanding of how to do this. Matter of fact, that's probably one of the things that a lot of times even well-meaning mentors or, or, or administrators who say, you know, I just need you to engage them. <laughs> you need to be engaging with the kids. And the, uh, it, you know, what is, can you talk just a little bit about what, what we mean by student engagement and why it's important to the students, but also to the teacher? When we think about student engagement, I think the first thing we have to do is recognize that um, we are not as teachers representative of all of our students. Um, by the very fact that we became educators, um, we probably had success in the traditional schools that we were raised in. Um, we, on some level, um, liked school, engaged in it enough that we wanted to spend our adult lives continuing in education. And to make the assumptions of the things that engaged us are the things that uh, our most challenging students need is really setting us up for failure. And so we need to know our students. We really need to know and connect with them, understand not just their interests, but help them um, figure out what's relevant for them in their lives now and in the future. Because we know, and there's a lot of research that support, that relevance is a bigger motivator even than interest for students um, in terms of engaging in schoolwork. You know, it, it, it's funny what you're talking about because a lot of times we uh, um, we don't think as, a, as adults that we, we too do the same thing, which is, why does this matter to me? I mean, I don't care if you're in a it, remembering back as a kid in a class or whether you're in whatever you're in as a, an adult taking a class today or or just in something you're you say why does this matter to me you know why should i know it or how, how does this why is this relevant to me and uh i think that's such an important aspect of uh trying to figure out how to um you know if we want kids to to want to do to to really make it part of what they're doing we've got to get them 
excited about understanding how it fits in their lives. Yeah, and that, that brings me back. And it's one thing for me to help students see why it matters, but when I can get them to voice why something's relevant or why it's important and they feel like they're the ones making that connection, it's even more powerful. Those are some of those moments that we were talking about before that when the light bulb goes on, you know, or the, or they're just suddenly they get it and they surprise you and they're like, I want to know more. I want to get into this a little bit more. They get excited. They start coming up with their own, they, they start, you know, um, conjecturing or thinking or speculating about where this is going and that type of thing, which is really cool. The, uh, you know, one of the things that I'd like to do, get you to do, could you give us an example of what uh, a real-world relevant project looks like? Mm. Um, so a favorite from when I was teaching physics class uh, was I had my students really take apart um, at a deeper level what it meant, um, what you were supposed to do at a yellow light. And, you know, we kind of take that for granted, but I had a lot of um, new teen drivers and we really unpacked, you know, because sometimes with a yellow light, um, depending on where you are approaching that intersection and how fast you're going, you need to break. And sometimes you need to go through and helping them see that physics could be a really powerful tool for understanding that. And then having them propose to the local um, community ways that maybe yellow lights um, could be made, uh, intersections could be made safer. And they had some really kind of clever solutions, um, you know, that might mark out a distance where, you know, a driver would know if the light turns yellow, you need to break here. Um, or changing the timing of yellow lights. And, um, you know, and they presented to, I, I believe it was like the local um, highway supervisor and um, representatives from the police department about how to make their intersections in their hometown safer. Um, and whether or not you know, any of those ideas were picked up, it was a very powerful opportunity for the students um, to be able to advocate for something uh, in their own hometown and to have uh, relevant adults there to listen to them talk about their, their um, plans for improvement. That is very cool. I, I got to say this because what you made me think about is the, uh, and I think it was a Mork and Mindy episode a long time ago. Um, if anybody ever saw that show, Robin Williams was Mork and, yeah, I, I, yeah. and he was the alien. And he's, he says, uh, he's talking about some stuff that he learned that day. And he said, I learned something today. He goes, when the, when the light is green, you go, when the, when the light is red, you stop. When the light is yellow, you go very fast. <laughs> and that's, that would be a cool thing to see the different, uh, cause definitely I, I um, I could see where they could uh, learn a lot about uh, the why you have those rules of the road, especially through physics <laughs> um, and what you're supposed to do with a yellow light. But sorry, that's what you made me think of. Was that I'm like, uh, I watched a little too much TV. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> but the, uh, all right, so let's, we're going to start shifting gears here because we're starting to come to the end. And and one of the things that I wanted to uh, um, to ask you is this, what is the best way for a teacher who wants, who wants to start learning how to incorporate project-based learning in their classroom, get started. What's, what, what do you think, what advice would you give them about getting started doing this? Um, well, first off, I mean, start your research. Uh, there are so many fantastic um, research-based books and there's blogs and um, websites, uh, notably from um, the Buck Institute for Education um, that, that, share resources and um, all sorts of things to get teachers started. 
um, but really find other teachers who are doing project-based learning, either um, close to you in your school, in your region, or at least, you know, maybe in your subject area and connect with them. Ask to see their classrooms. Um, talk to them about, about their journey to project-based learning um, and share your own thoughts as you move forward. Excellent. That's, uh, you know, it's uh, um, one of the things that I get asked teachers that I work with is they go, you know, they, they say things like that, you know, they ask, well, how, how do I get started? And I, I think that's great advice. We got to, you got to do some research, got to figure out a little bit. And, uh, um, and it wouldn't help to probably, it wouldn't hurt probably to, uh, to get hooked up with, uh, with somebody uh, who is, is good in that area. Yeah. So good stuff. Um, what I'd like to, uh, to do as we're uh, wrapping up here is um, you're an instructional methods advisor with K-12. Care to give the audience a little bit of background on K-12 and then share what you do as an instructional uh, methods advisor? Absolutely. Um, so K-12 is an online education company. Um, we manage and support um, both public and private online schools throughout the entire country. Um, we serve all sorts of students who are seeking um, a virtual education uh, for, for many, many reasons. Um, whether or not the traditional system just isn't the right fit for them, or they have medical needs, or they need to um, accelerate. Um, as the instructional methods advisor, um, I'm really been tasked with bringing project-based learning to our virtual classrooms. Um, I work in particularly in career readiness and finding out ways that we can support teachers and students in bringing project-based learning experiences to our career readiness coursework. Excellent, thank you. And if someone wanted to connect further with you, where would you send them? Uh, they can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Twitter, but I don't tweet much. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, very nice, the, uh, um, no problem. So I will, I'll make sure that I have your LinkedIn uh, handle there if I, I make sure I have that. Um, so I got two questions that I'd like to ask you that are uh, just questions I like to ask. Here's, here goes the first one. If you had the chance to talk with 100 brand new teachers, what is one piece of advice you would want to give them about working with kids? Oh, I'd say um, be really wary of the, I'd say almost toxic myth of the super teacher. Um, both Hollywood and society have really perpetuated this image of that teacher who goes it alone against the green, um, and, and you know, is the only one making a difference in the lives of students. And I think so many new teachers come with at least a piece of that imprinted in their brain. And I think really successful, great inspired teaching could not be further from that. Um, whatever can be done alone can be done better when we do it in a team. So building a team, finding collaborators and conspirators early on so that you have people um, to plan with and to celebrate successes with and to talk through challenges. And that, that is what makes really great teaching. It's highly collaborative work. It is better when we open our doors, not just to our successes, but to the challenges we are facing and learn from each other and support one another. Excellent advice. I love that. And I love the term you use, collaborators and conspirators. <laughs> that's, that's, I, I think about it. Some of my best experience teaching was with, I had conspirators along with collaborators. <laughs> so good yeah. stuff. So last, last question. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? Oh, geez. Um, I've been really, really fortunate to have so many great educators in my life. Um, you know, 
from my earliest days with uh, Jane Hamlin is my fifth grade teacher who really taught me what um, high standards and rigor look like and having high expectations for all. And to my middle school science teachers um, who really inspired me to, to start digging in a little bit deeper into science. Um, I had more fantastic high school teachers than I could possibly name, um, but I would like to finish with uh, Tony Wayne, who was the physics teacher who um, I mentored under when I was student teaching, who really um, taught me about the joy of teaching and the joy of teaching physics um, in a way I had not understood before I set foot in his classroom. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. I appreciate it. The, uh, you know, it's the impact that uh, other adults have on us is, is so cool um, in our future lives. So good stuff. Heather, thank you so much for talking with me today. Thanks for sharing about you, project-based learning and K-12. And thanks for just talking with us. I wish you the best. Thank you, Steve, for having me. It's been a blast. Hey, have you got some thoughts, questions, or ideas? I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me through my email at stephenmiletto at gmail.com. Stephen spelled with a V, and Mileto is M-I-L-E-T-T-O. And that's at gmail.com. Or if you're in the United States or Canada, you can call my Google Voice number at 478-353-5471. Love to hear from you. Thanks. Take care now. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.